0: about the essential coaching skills for managers and leaders. Kevin Campbell, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from sunny Southern California. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah, and today we're going to be talking about the essential coaching skills for managers and leaders. You have a great level of expertise in this space. You do a lot of research in this space. I'm super excited to pick your brain, and I appreciate you taking the time to share your insights and experience with me and my audience today. As we get started, I wanted to share Kevin's bio with everybody. Kevin Campbell is an employee experience scientist at Qualtrics and also a founder of Lifted Leadership LLC, where he coaches Fortune 500 executives on how to acquire, develop, and retain their most valuable asset, their people. He's spent the last decade of his career building leaders and teams for companies like Stryker, P.F. Changs, Amazon, and many more, and has worked for Deloitte and Gallup as a consultant. Anything else you would like to share with me or my audience by way of your background, your personal context, before we dive on into the topic for today?
1: Yeah, I, I recently added another job to to my bio. Uh, I'm also an adjunct faculty with the uh, Employee Experience Institute. Excuse me the uh, the XM Institute, the Experience Management Institute, um, uh, which is sort of a the think tank of Qualtrics. Uh, and I've I've recently um, released. Um, uh, a couple of, of pieces that might be of interest to your audience, specifically coaching skills for unpacking employee engagement results with managers uh, and how to help managers be more action oriented as it relates to thinking
0: about their employee experience surveys or their people analytics results. Yeah, fantastic. So you have you have a great level of expertise here. Clearly, I'm super excited to dig into this. Why don't you start by laying out for us kind of your philosophical approach, your theoretical approach to how you um, think about coaching, coaching leaders, coaching managers, and then we can start to talk about more specific skills and how we can go about developing those.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think the, the role of a coach is to be a guide. Um, we're sort of like a, a GPS. Uh, the client or the coachee types in the destination and the coach helps guide the way. Uh, if the the client or the, the coachee goes off course, a, a GPS can't force them back on the, the route. All the G- GPS can do is adapt, adjust, and reroute along the way. So as a coach, uh, we're along for the ride, uh, but the client or the coachy is the one that's in the driver's seat. Um, and I like to think about it as sort of existing on a spectrum. Um, so, So coaching is not problem-solving right? In, in coaching, the answers and the solutions are self-generated by the coachee or the client with the coach as the facilitator of the process. However, in problem solving, the answers and the solutions are provided by a subject matter expert. Uh, with that said, it's important to note that um, few, if any, coaching conversations fall squarely with being purely non-directive Uh, coaching conversations uh, or purely directive and problem solving, right? And an HR business partner, as a great example, uh, within a coaching conversation might shift in between taking a non-directive approach when they're helping people, leaders generate their own ideas for employee experience. But they might take a more instructive approach when they're advising them on something like a compliance issue. Uh, so, you know, uh, coaching does does draw from problem solving and mentorship and, and training, but it's not any of those things. It's a set of skills that exist within a conversation and you flow back and forth between being more directive. Uh, one example that I like to use um, is if somebody asked you where the bathroom was You wouldn't respond with saying, what do you feel the bathroom is, right? If you, if you have some information or instruction to be able to give, it's okay to share that expertise and share that information, but the bulk of the conversation should be eliciting that greatness and that, that innate wisdom from the person that you're coaching.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. And I like the, the GPS uh, analogy or metaphor there because uh, ultimately we are trying to facilitate and we're trying to guide uh, people. And like you said, uh, it's on a spectrum and you can be more directive. uh, But I think generally speaking, when you're in coaching conversations, if you can, you know, ask the right types of questions to to nudge people along in their own thinking um, so they can arrive at conclusions and decide what is best for them and what they want to do and what their plan is, you know, ultimately they're going to be more uh, bought into whatever that plan is, um, they're, they're going to feel more passionate about it and they're just going to have a, a higher chance of, of implementation and of, of success. We all know that, you know, in relationships, if you go into problem solving mode, it often doesn't end particularly well. Most people don't talk to their spouse wanting, mm-hmm. you know, their problem to be solved. They want to talk to their spouse to be heard and seen, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and to be acknowledged And, and then, you know, maybe have a chance to think through and talk through the issues that they're facing. And and in some ways I see it similar in how we might coach a leader. Uh, And I also like the distinction you make between, you know, uh, you have a goal in mind, you, you establish what that goal is, and then you can help facilitate and guide them towards it. There are other times though, where it's very clear that they just need some expert uh information right they just need some expert advice and that that starts to move a little bit away from a, a traditional coaching kind of a an approach but it's still very important and we need to be able to to navigate that as we're having these conversations with people
1: yeah for leaders or managers that are new to coaching oftentimes i'll say you know sometimes i'll 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 do a little bit of instruction in the beginning around what is coaching what is consulting, explain to them, hey, I have an organizational psychology background and I, I have reams of research and people analytics data sitting at my fingertips. And if it's relevant, I'll say, hey, I'm gonna take my coaching hat off and put my organizational psychologist hat on, but I'm gonna be very intentional about when I'm making that shift so that people know, hey, no, this is, this is a cue to know that I'm sharing some information with you, not necessarily telling you what to do, but but or even giving advice, but saying, hey, here's something that I know about, and I think it might be relevant to what we're talking about, and I think it might be relevant to your situation. What do you make of that? Um, interesting enough, what you said about the uh, goals um, and getting people bought into the goals is, uh, is really interesting uh, and really important for, for managers and leaders especially to think about. Um, you know, when you, when you sit down in front of a GPS, the first couple of questions are, where are you now and where do you want to go? right and those are those are the the big questions and oftentimes a whole coaching relationship for several months could be just about articulating that piece of where are you now and where do you want to go mm-hmm. and i think what you said about getting people bought into goals is very much in line with the research uh, interesting history around goal setting research. Back in the 70s and 80s, there were two teams of researchers that had differing findings on goal setting within managers. Uh, one team of researchers found that it made no difference whether or not the leader or the manager set the goal or whether the employee set their goals in terms of performance and outcomes. Another set of researchers found the exact opposite. They said, no, no, the the outcomes are wildly different. You have to collaboratively set these goals with your employees in order to get the best performance and buy-in and all the things you had talked about. And along the way, they reviewed each other's research and they came to the conclusion, okay, you're not fudging the numbers here. You are legitimately finding these results. There's got to be something here. And they did something that's surprisingly rare in, in science, or at least in social science. They collaborated with each other to find out Okay, why are, why are we getting different results? And what is that that moderator? What's that thing that shifts in what you're doing versus what we're doing to make sh- to make it so that we have the same results? And what they, what they ultimately determined was that it does not necessarily matter whether the, the leader sets the goal or, or if, the, if it's set collaboratively. Um, but the key is that if you are going to set the goal for on behalf of somebody else, you have to sell them. On it, rather than just tell them about it, right? So you can either get there by having a collaborative conversation or you can get there by having a persuasive conversation. But at some point you have to to generate that buy-in. And in my experience as a coach and working with different leaders and managers, the best way to be persuasive is to be collaborative, to say, hey, here's my agenda. Here's what I would like to walk away from this conversation with what would you like to walk away with? How can, how can what I want fit in with what you want? And where can we get where we want to go?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, that's consistent with my experience on the coaching side. Um, on the other side, you know, as I've been the receiver of edicts from managers and leaders from administration, uh, you know, where I've been told what the, what the goals are and they've been imposed upon me, You know, I've experienced that a lot in my life, especially earlier on in my career. And I suspect many listening have had the same experience. And it's just a completely different thing when there's really no influence um, there, where there's no collaboration, there's no persuasion. It's simply kind of a carrot stick kind of an approach to getting compliance with whatever the stated goal is. And compliance just never is the same type of sustainable long-term motivator as commitment. Uh, and if, if people feel bought in, then they're going to, they're going to go after it. Right. But if, if you're just trying to, if you're using carrot and stick techniques to try to convince someone to do something you you were telling them they have to do uh, you know, they'll, they'll do it for a time. They'll, they'll put it forth an effort, but it, it's not sustainable. And ultimately they're going to be looking for ways to um, to do what needs to be done at the bare minimum. Uh, so yeah, we just need to make sure that we're involving people in those conversations either way, like you described, and that's going to be really important. Um, so I think that's part of the skills we've been kind of t- talking around it a little bit, yeah. um, but let's be a little bit more explicit about sure. the specific s- coaching skills that we really need to foster and develop in ourselves. Um, because in my mind, one of the greatest roles of a leader is to be able to be a good coach for their people. Uh, and sometimes as consultants, uh, we'll go in or as coaches, we'll go in and work with an executive or we'll go in with a leader to help coach them. Um, but leaders also need to learn the skills so that they can coach their people, their team, uh, so that they can, you know, maximize their potential and, and have outrageous and really great results. So what are some of those specific skills, skills that we need to be working on and developing uh, in ourselves so that we can foster that within our teams?
1: Yeah so uh I think goal setting is is a big one. Um uh in in the international coach federation language uh they they talk about goal setting they also talk about um setting and holding the agenda. Um and I think that's a related skill to goal setting where you enter each conversation with a set of intentions, right? My intention for our conversation today is, right? Um and you can think about this in terms of all of the conversations that a leader or a manager might have with their team members, um, you know, there's that onboarding conversation or that expectation setting conversation. Either when somebody's starting a new job, or when somebody is uh, somebody's responsibilities are, are changing significantly, you want to have that level setting conversation. Going into that conversation with an agenda in mind. Stating that agenda and then inviting that collaboration and building that buy-in is really important. But a lot of times, and I'm guilty of this, I'm sure you are, most executives, leaders, people that I work with, they have meetings back to back for a, a good chunk of their day, and they're rolling into those conversations Without any agenda or without any kind of intention around what they're what they're setting up, right? Um, and you know, in, it's been said that nowadays everybody's a project manager. Uh, regardless of what your title is within an organization, you're a project manager, and everyone's a coach. Um, uh, I actually had the the pleasure of working with Brantley Underhill. She's one of the, the managing directors for the Performance Management Institute, uh, and we were in a same coaching facilitation class. So, so you know the that role of project manager slash coach is is going to, to to fill into every single conversation and thing that you do. And I think setting the agenda and goal setting is is one of those pillars. Um, related, um, and, and in no particular order, I think the other like core skills that are important for for every person to have really, but especially for managers and leaders are powerful questions. And this one's not going to sound really exciting unless you really know the depth of it, but listening, listening is huge. And you had, you had alluded to this in what you mentioned around relationships and problem solving and relationships and being able to listen at a, at a really deep level.
0: If you're asking those powerful questions, it has to be coupled with listening. Doesn't it? (laughs) Other, otherwise it's, it's, it's meaningless. And we've all been in those meetings where, um, you know, it's the, the, the leader is asking for input. They're asking for, you know, collective insight from everyone in the group and they'll ask that question, but they're not really listening. They've, you kind of, everyone know, in the room knows that they've kind of had their preconceived notions and that they've already had, they, they already have a, a determination of what they want to do. And there's kind of going through the motions and the facade of, of having this inclusive dialogue. Um, people can see th- through that. And and they know when that's happening, even when the intention of the leader is good. If they're not very actively trying to listen, set their assumptions aside for a minute and ask those powerful questions coupled with really seeing and hearing, being with the people that are providing the the feedback, the input or whatever it might be, unless those two are coupled together, uh, then even a really great question isn't going to have the same kind of impact that uh, it otherwise could. It's
1: incredibly challenging for leaders too. Once you, you know, they've done research that has shown that as you grow in your power and influence, you become, in a in a sense, less empathic. And, and by that, I don't mean that you you care less about people. You don't turn into a sociopath or something like that. But but you become less likely to pick up on the subtle nuance in the room. Right. You're, you're not we have a tendency to listen to what's being said, but we fail to pick up on the unspoken information, the to to monitor how the vibe in the room changes in response to what you say or do. Is there tension in the air? Is the conversation flat or is it full of resonance? Uh, what are the the emotions hanging in the space between people? Not only what's being said, but what's not being said. And when you're in a different level on the dominance hierarchy, right? You can, you can pick up on those things because you're attuned to the leadership, you're attuned to the people around you. But when you're at the top of that imaginary pyramid, you, you start to lose in some sense that ability. So you have to actively work to put yourself in that mindset of really tapping into what's the vibe in the room, Rather than adjusting the vibe in the room to you, right? Um, and there, you know, there are stories of leaders who walk into a room and have a force field effect of m- molding reality to their whim, and that can work for you when you're trying to persuade. But when you're trying to tap in, you, you want to know when to to dial that back
0: or, or or tune that in appropriately. Yeah, so that's great. Goal setting, powerful questions, active, powerful listening. All of those are, are really important components to any good, effective leader. And, and certainly when you're in a coaching kind of a conversation, uh, when and where should managers be actively trying to engage in those coaching conversations, as opposed to perhaps some of the other types of conversations leaders need to have with their people?
1: Um, so one of the, um, uh, the the pieces of research that I was involved with when I was uh, at, at Gallup, and I was involved in translating this and, and getting it out into um, organizations, um, they did some some work on uh, performance management conversations, and I think it's a it's a great framework for thinking about coaching um, because it's it's the five conversations that are essential for helping people sustain and improve their performance. So when I talk about this, this is not talking to people about what their bonus is going to be or what their rating is although it could include those things these are all the the interim conversations including that conversation that really help managers and leaders create sustained performance among their people Um, so the first conversation is that orientation or uh expectation setting conversation this is also where you might do some goal setting Um, A lot of times people think about this as the onboarding conversation. However, I think that's a a little bit of a miss because you want to have this kind of conversation, not just when someone's brand new to a role, but anytime their role significantly changes or the things that you want them to work on significantly change, that's when you need to reorient and level set again. So uh, it's a great place for goal setting having that deep listening, asking those powerful questions, and either collaboratively creating some goals and or simultaneously really selling them on what those goals should be. Um, Another place where managers should really use coaching is in their one-on-ones, the the regular check-in conversations that they have. Uh, Going into those conversations with a game plan around what you want to achieve uh, you know, I, I've I've listened in on some coaching or some check-in one-on-one conversations and some really well-intentioned managers that start those off with, so what's the latest? Like no intention behind the conversation whatsoever. Like really going in with, with setting the agenda, uh, making sure that you have a goal for that conversation, that you're conveying the information that you need to and eliciting the, the information that you want. Um, And then there's also those informal run-ins, right? The water cooler conversations. I think if you're working virtually or you're working remotely or in a hybrid setting, creating and contriving those opportunities for those run-ins are really important. And having good open-ended questions in your back pocket can be really helpful for creating that serendipity and that, that organic collaboration that can just pop up. Um another one is is anytime you see a developmental opportunity. So either before what I might call a performance event or after a performance event or or if possible during but sometimes that can get distracting. So let's say you're a sales manager and you are partnering with one of your team members on a sales presentation going in and giving them not just feedback but maybe feed forward. Before they go into that, that conversation, getting them to think about what are the points that they want to hit and then debriefing them afterwards uh, so that you're not just accounting for that at the end of the year when it comes time to do the subjective performance rating, but you're, you're giving them that feedback in the moment in those performance events. And then finally, I think when it comes to holding people accountable and reviewing what's been done. Um, If you do, especially if you do a really good job with that first conversation and you identify specific metrics of success and you start to articulate those goals and you get them to buy in to the way that the goals are going to be measured and the success is going to be measured, then that accountability conversation feels less like a punitive conversation or some sort of compliance conversation, but it feels more like, Accountability in in terms of the word accounting. (laughs) How can we just like count what's happened? How can we review this together so we can identify where were there some successes and how can we recreate those successes in the future and where are there some things that we want to do different moving on? And and maybe some of the things that we want to do differently are are, um, maybe even adjusting the goals or the the way that we think about what the goal is. So I think those five conversations are a, a good place to think about, um, Many more uh, places to, to use coaching, but I, I like that framework, and I think it's a good framework for thinking about the the best places to have those. Uh, a couple others might be like team meetings and, and things like that, but uh, group coaching is a little bit trickier than than one on one at times. But it's also a great skill to have.
0: Yeah, excellent. Kevin, this has really been a great conversation. I really appreciate you laying out those key skills, the, t- the key c- types of conversations that need to be happening uh, and that can happen where coaching uh, will really help us to be more effective as leaders, as managers. I know at the time I need to let you go here in just a minute, but before we wrap things up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with my audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, and then give us a final word on the topic for today.
1: Yeah. So, uh, the final word on the topic of today is that you don't necessarily need to be a life coach, uh, or, or a career coach as a manager, but having coaching skills will definitely help you be a better leader, better manager, better husband, better wife, better father, better mother, um, better friend. (laughs) Um, so I highly recommend, uh, learning those, those skills around deep listening, powerful questions and goal setting. Uh, and if you'd like to, to reach out to, to learn more, um, Always trying to build my LinkedIn following. Uh, I try and put out good stuff, want to follow whatever else is out there. Uh, So please uh, find me on LinkedIn, Kevin G., Campbell. Um, uh, and then I have a, a string of letters after after my my last name that make it a little bit easier to find me. M-A-A-C-C-X M um, P. Won't go into what all those are, but it makes it easier to find me. Uh, and then uh, liftedleadership.com. I have a very small coaching practice. My primary my primary role is as a, an employee experience scientist at Qualtrics, but um, on occasion I'll take a, a couple of, of coaching clients as well. Um, so you can go ahead and find me there if, if you'd be interested in that.
0: Um, But otherwise, find me on LinkedIn and uh, uh, keep in touch. Wonderful. Thank you, Kevin. It's been a real pleasure. I encourage my audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Kevin can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. (laughs) You enjoy the Human Capital Innovations podcast. Enjoy ad-free listening